America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day for George Santos. Uh, he's gotten a new nickname, and he's actually taken a wise and very appropriate move. Has he resigned from Congress? No, that would be the wisest and most appropriate. He hasn't done that. But he's moved in the right direction. We will get to that. We will also be speaking to uh, Adam Smith, who is one of the Democratic leaders in Congress. He's former chairman of the Armed Services Committee. And in that capacity, he just met with a bunch of other congressmen with uh, King Abdullah II of Jordan to try to work out, uh, along with uh, Anthony Blinken, who is the Secretary of State, who's in Israel right now, meeting with Netanyahu, meeting with Mahmoud Abbas, is there any chance of the King of Jordan getting involved in new peace efforts? There is a peace treaty between Israel and Jordan, and it has been uh, generally observed to the tremendous benefit of both countries. We will talk about that with Congressman uh, Adam Smith and also about his disagreement with a proclamation yesterday by one of his colleagues on the Foreign Affairs Committee in the House. Uh, the chairman of that committee, Michael uh, McCall of Texas, says he agrees with what a general has said about the likelihood of our going to war with China, God forbid, uh, sometime in the year 2025. That means the next president, whoever that is, would have a fairly apocalyptic challenge on his plate to deal with. And meanwhile, concerning the president, we still have there is a CNN news alert also covered by the Wall Street Journal and everybody else that's saying that the FBI has confirmed that they searched President Joe Biden's former think tank office in Washington back in November after his team notified the National Archives that they found classified documents there. This according to a Justice Department official and another source familiar with the matter. The justice official told CNN that a warrant was not used to conduct the search, which was done with the uh, immediate consent of Biden's legal team. You may remember this also would help to explain why they didn't announce uh, th this fact before the obviously it's politically convenient for the president not to announce the turning up of these documents in his office for the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania, his uh, think tank, which, by the way, lots of funding from the Chinese interests in, in that particular think tank. But uh, given the fact that we're talking about there was an election on November 8th, and if the FBI was still searching with Biden's permission and authorization and at his request was still searching in his offices and then later in his house, if they were still doing that in uh, November uh, after or right up to the point of the midterm election, that might at least give you some excuse, some explanation as to why it was that they didn't 
reveal the entire uh, involvement and um, Biden's entire authorization for the FBI to come into the situation regarding his documents. I, it's hard to me, for me to believe that there were many votes that were affected either by President Trump's situation at Mar-a-Lago or some people feel, in fact, a lot of people close to Trump feel that he actually gained more from the FBI raid, so-called, of his private residence than it hurt President Trump because people who are big fans of President Trump uh, have not shown a, a great tendency to be disillusioned or shocked or horrified or indignant about him taking some documents home with him. A one eight hundred nine five five seventeen seventy six is our phone number. To uh, in today's Washington Examiner, uh, Senator Marco Rubio criticized the Department of Justice for declining to share some of its findings with Congress regarding the investigations, plural, into the classified documents that were found at the personal residences of former President Donald Trump and President Joe Biden. Well, what, Mike, Mike Pence doesn't get any attention here? Uh, he will, ultimately. Uh, Rubio hit out against the department for declining a request to provide non-public information on the classified materials, citing concerns it would interfere with investigations, according to a letter sent uh, by Rubio to committee leaders on Saturday. The uh, uh, DOJ response, that's actually the letter was not from Marco Rubio, it was to Marco Rubio and the congressional leaders. The DOJ response prompted outcry from Republicans on the Senate Intelligence Committee who have lamented uh, they were unable to see what materials were found. Uh, Senators Mark Warner and Marco Rubio, leaders of the Senate Intelligence Committee, jointly said they spoke for their entire committee in demanding access to documents found in the possession of President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. I don't know how congressional oversight on the documents actually uh, knowing what they are in any way impedes an investigation, Rubio said in an interview that aired Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation, referring to the ongoing Justice Department investigations of the storage and handling of the documents. Uh, meanwhile, on a uh, less elevated, less presidential level, there's the uh, news from uh, uh, George Santos. Uh, first of all, there's a, uh, the, a report from CBS News about the protesters who have been gathering outside his office, which uh, sounds like this. A small group of protesters gathered today outside the office of New York Congressman George Santos, saying it's time for him to resign. I am George Santos. This is George Santos. That's George Sa Actually, we don't know who George Santos is. A handful of demonstrators outside the New York City office of Republican Representative George Santos say it's not enough he's stepping down from two congressional committees. They want him to resign from Congress. Jonathan Rudis owns a local real estate company. If you resign, we'll do our best to make sure that you get a short jail sentence. <laughs> Terrific. Um, and by the way, the two committees that he resigned from, one of them was a small business committee, and uh, where there's no evidence at all that actually George Santos ever had any 
kind of business experience. His business experience seems about the same as his volleyball experience, where he was a star striker uh, for a team representing a school that he never attended. But uh, George Santos volunteering or removing himself from a, a small business committee and uh, the, the Committee on Science, Technology, and Space, which he's so wonderfully qualified for. This is Elise Stefanik, uh, the number three Republican in the House of Representatives, uh, talking about Santos's removal from the I supported George Santos as the nominee, and the people of his district voted to elect him. Now, we just uh, got out of conference, and George has voluntarily removed himself uh, from committees as he goes through this process, but ultimately, voters decide. And uh, I'm very proud that in New York State, we flipped five districts to help deliver us the majority, uh, and ultimately, voters make this decision about who they elect to Congress. He resigned. Do you think he's still resigned? Again, this process is going to play itself out. I've already commented on this numerous times. Uh, and again, it's going to play itself out. But ultimately, voters are going to make that decision, whether it's in the primary election or in the general election. Okay, which is a way of saying that George Santos spends of uh, two full years in the Congress of the United States, to which he was elected under false pretenses. Look, it's not the the lies or distortions about his background that will end up getting him in trouble and probably driven out of Congress. It's actually the distortions of the financing of this campaign and that possible criminality. We'll be right back with Speaker McCarthy on Santos coming up. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans. Medved Show, uh, when it comes to defenders of the police and the challenges that people face in police work, nobody more uh, articulate or informed or persuasive than Heather McDonald, who will be joining us coming up uh, on the Michael Medved Show about her perspective on the situation in Memphis and the impact on law enforcement all across the country. Uh, okay, law enforcement and George Santos for just a moment. Uh, the, I mentioned a statement by uh, Kevin McCarthy, and it is a bizarre statement when you think about it. And this was called to my attention by Jeremy Steiner, Bride of Hillsdale College. Here is uh, Speaker McCarthy talking about the decision by George Santos, which apparently he made on his own, uh, not to serve on the two committees to which he had been appointed. So here is uh, oh, the uh, uh, what what Kevin McCarthy said was he said uh, that it was an appropriate decision, and that's in quotes, for Republican Representative George Santos to recuse himself, which is usually a legal term involving judges. But and no, he does not have uh, he never went to law school. He has no legal background. He will not be appointed to the Supreme Court or anything like that. The uh, McCarthy said it was an appropriate decision for Santos to recuse himself from serving on committees until he can clear everything up. 
Okay, if that was a an appropriate decision for Santos, was it also an appropriate decision for McCarthy to appoint him in the first place to those two committees? Would uh, anything forcing McCarthy to uh, to actually appoint George Santos to committees of the House? And here he is trying to, in the situation that he had put himself in before, of trying to get rid of Eric Swalwell and uh, Adam Schiff and Ilan Omar from uh, committees of Congress. At the same time, he was trying to place George Santos in committees of Congress. Really? Uh, here is uh, George Santos uh, walking outside the Capitol and speaking to reporters uh, briefly about his decision to step down from his committees. Clip nine. Did, did McCarthy tell you to, to step I'm away sorry, from the committees? Nobody tells me to do anything. I made a decision on my own that I thought best represented the interests of the voters. Okay, according to a new survey of the congressman's district from Newsday, which is a Long Island newspaper in Siena College, voters in New York's 3rd District want Santos to resign by an overwhelming margin. In all, 78% of voters in the district believe that Santos should step down over the massive deceptions about his personal history as well as the major campaign finance questions plaguing him. That number includes, listen to this, 71% of Republicans who want him out of Congress, along with 89% of Democrats. Just 13% of his constituents believe he should stay in office with 9% saying they don't have an opinion. Okay, who are those 13% who want him to stay in office? And what is it that you like about George Santos that you want him representing you? Well, I've, Marjorie Taylor Greene has, uh, has some sympathy for George Santos, and she commented about it after the House Republican meeting this morning. Uh, here's Representative Green. There was so much drama, really, over the situation, and um, especially what what we're doing to work to remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Mr. Santos' statement in there was just saying that he he spoke with Speaker McCarthy and and made this decision on his own. Okay. There uh, was. I mean, that's that's basically he made the decision on his own. Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, had, <laughs> this is clip one, uh, some of the most astute commentary about the Santos situation. Listen. In Congress right now, the case of Curious George Santos gets curiouser every day. <laughs> we learned over the weekend, uh, we learned that more than a dozen of the top donors to his campaign don't exist. And even more shocking, uh, some of the donors do exist. But... <laughs> This guy's still walking around the house. I don't know. This is like the movie Catch Me If You Can. If in the first five minutes Tom Hanks caught him, but <laughs> that's a movie about Frank Abagnale. And the the thing about Frank Abagnale was played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the film, I believe. And the thing about Frank Abagnale, he was a very clever guy. He was a very smart guy. This Santos is a colossal dummy. And uh, again, he says in Congress right now, the case of curious George Santos uh, gets curiouser and curiouser every day. Well, 
Yeah, it it does. And, and by the way, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be hosting the Oscars. And uh, that's coming up in March. And um, all right, what about George Santos presenting an award? Best actor, best supporting actor. I don't know, best uh, special effects. Uh, but again, the one thing I, I, I think is fairly certain, unless he's already resigned and he's no longer talked about a couple of weeks from now, is that he will be mentioned at some point uh, in the uh, Oscar ceremony. Uh, today, President Biden was talking about the investment in roads and bridges, uh, talking about $4 billion being used to replace the Baltimore line, which is part of the only train line in the country that actually seems to work, which is the Acela Corridor between Boston and Washington, D.C. Here's President Biden. Clip 18. With the bipartisan infrastructure law, though, we finally getting it done. The law, this law is the most significant investment in American roads, bridges, since the interstate highway system. And it's the single most significant investment in rail in America since Amtrak was created 50 years ago. And through the infrastructure law, we're going to invest over $4 billion to replace the existing Baltimore and Potomac tunnel. And that's why it's so important. Over 2,200 trains run on this corridor every single day. And it's the busiest in the United States, one of the busiest carters in the world. The problem anywhere along the line means that up and down the East Coast, it means commuters are trying to get to and from work and they're getting in trouble. Business trying to ship their goods, travelers trying to visit family. If this line shuts down, it's just one day, it would cost the country over $100 million. But this tunnel is a major checkpoint for 9 million Amtrak and Mark computer rail passengers who pass through it each and every year. Okay, again, uh, he talks about this is the biggest investment in the last 50 years. And really, this 19th century out-of-date technology? We'll be talking about policing with Heather McDonald coming right up. Medved Show. It is a uh, an honor and a pleasure to welcome back to the show Heather McDonald, who is the Thomas W. Smith uh, Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributing editor of City Journal. She also writes frequently for the Wall Street Journal. She is a recipient of the 2005 Bradley Prize, and uh, she's written uh, the triumphant bestseller back in 2016. The War on Cops, and where she anticipated a lot of the intensification of that war, but probably didn't anticipate something like we all witnessed and the country is still trying to sort out in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Heather, first question would be, uh, people can see how the situation in Memphis and the death of Tyree Nichols is similar 
to other cases we have heard about and we have witnessed, going back to Rodney King. Uh, what's uh, uh, substantially different about it? Well, thank you for having me on, Michael. Uh, well, I, I don't, I'm not sure what exactly you're, you're questioning about if you're thinking about the fact that these were all black officers, a fact that the media tried to uh, conceal for as long as possible until it could get its act together and come up with a new and improved racism rhetoric, which now discards the idea that blacks can't be racist, which was the academic assumption uh, clearly untrue, and now says, oh, actually, blacks are white supremacists, too. Uh, you know, when once they got that all worked out, then they started being willing to acknowledge that there are five blacks. But I would say that uh, this instance of excessive, brutal, incompetent force is is one of the worst I've ever seen. I, I mean, to call these guys, you know, keystone cops in their utter lack of coordination, inability to practice the most basic police tactics would be far too... Uh, sympathetic to them. It is just a shocking uh, betrayal of everything that officers should have learned in the in their academy training. Well, again, and and the the difference that I was actually focused on was how quickly they got indicted. Uh, I mean, we've never had anything like that where uh, literally within uh, a couple of weeks of the death of. Uh, of Tyree Nichols, uh, they're indicted for second-degree murder. That's unique, isn't it? And I can tell you that defense attorneys are are not so happy about that. It's a real, a real tension between the understandable desire for accountability and transparency and due process rights of the defendant. Uh, you know, they, the defense bar now thinks that it's going to be very, very hard to get a fair trial for these officers. Now, everybody thinks that their guilt is absolutely patent, uh, and there's no possible alternative uh, response or result of a, of a criminal proceeding than guilt on some or all of these charges. Nevertheless, we do have a presumption of innocence. So... Obviously, the the pendulum now, in the case at least of of black victims, has swung very much away from traditional procedures and and towards getting everything out there very quickly. But you know, the irony of this moment that has initially, as I say, was challenging to the usual race advocates because here we have not their favored configuration of white cop black victim, but black cop black victim uh at the same they they initially the advocates like uh like uh, benjamin crump the ubiquitous attorney for uh black victims of police force and and others in the media celebrated the rapid indictments and then they thought better of that and said well actually those rapid indictments of these black defendants are themselves the product of criminal justice racism. So it's very hard to know what uh, an ally in the cause of anti-racism is supposed to do. Are you supposed to indict? Are you not supposed to indict? 
these things get very, very complicated. Well, and it, it goes back to um, a question about doesn't this case, at least to some extent, indicate that some of the responses that we've had in the past have been appropriate, have been effective? Uh, for instance, the whole idea of, of requiring body cameras. Uh, it's possible we would never have really known what what occurred to Tyree Nichols without the uh, the body camera film, and uh, then there was a, a general surveillance video from a a, a post or a a, a a lamppost from somewhere nearby. But that without those uh, cameras, isn't it possible that? Uh, with this could be explained in a very different way than what actually happened. Yes, I'm sorry to say so, uh, that we would not have had the full account likely. Uh, and, of course, the advocates use that, and I mean by advocates sort of the race demagogues use that to say, well, this means that every police officer should not be credited in his account of of uh interactions with civilians, I think that's going too far. I don't know of anybody who has been really against body cameras. The the only argument that sort of complicates their widespread use is simply that it is so expensive and not because of the technology itself, but nobody quite knows how to deal with the massive amount of videotape that gets generated. It's very expensive to store all that tape, and there's been proposals over the years that this is something the federal government should assist with funding for. I'm not a big believer in federal funding of anything, because I think it's just funny money. It's just money that's been taken from the same local taxpayers, sent to Washington, then sent back to the localities, minus a large cut in bureaucratic red tape overhead but but in any case there is a there is that problem with police body cameras but yes i'm all for them and i think any anybody would be do you and you know and as 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 many police chiefs will say in the vast majority of cases they work to exonerate the cops you know it's not just cops who on occasion may not be fully transparent or truthful about their interaction. There's a heck of a lot of drug dealers uh, who make completely fabricated charges against their arresting officers, and body cameras have often served to uh, show those to be false. Uh, Heather McDonald is the author of a new book that was going to be released on April 18th of this year, and as with most of her books, I, I am sure it will make a tremendous impression. It's called When Race Trumps Merit, How the Pursuit of Equity Sacrifices Excellence, Destroys Beauty, and Threatens Lives. Uh, and uh, that, that book uh, has some connection, at least, with the, the agony over the, the Tyree uh, Nichols case. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg said today, and we'll play it later, but uh, she said basically if there had been a white victim here, there would have been real change. 
Do you believe that uh, if their victim had been white instead of black, that uh, with the black cops involved, that it would have been substantially different? We will talk about that with the author of The War Against Cops and what's happening with American law enforcement generally and where does it go to try to deal with what had been, at least until very recently, a rising crime rate. We'll talk about that with Heather McDonald coming right up. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. This is The Michael Medved Show. Right back with uh, Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute, best-selling author of The War Against Cops, and soon, coming up in April, her brand new book, uh, which is When Race Trumps Merit. Uh, the, um, it was announced today that uh, by NBC that the Congressional Black Caucus is going to be meeting with President Biden at the White House on Thursday to discuss police reform in the wake of the fatal beating of Tyree Nichols by police officers in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, do, you, do you think there's any substantive, constructive police reform that may come out of this horrible incident? No, and let me just add that my book, When Race Trump's Merit, is available for pre-ordering this coming Monday, February 6th, so you can look for that on Amazon. There is... Uh, I don't think substantive, valid police reform will come out. I think it could come out. Here's what needs to happen, Michael. Police training in this country needs to be radically revamped. Officers are desperate for more tactical training. This is realistic, scenario-based training when they're actually, you know, role-playing situations on the street, high-stress situations, learning how to make sure that they're using tactics that will not leave them in a situation where they feel they need to escalate their own use of force. They need training, constant training and de-escalating. You know, one of the things that is just so tragic to watch in the Tyree Nichols abomination is that it was Nichols himself who was trying to de-escalate the situation as these utter incompetence were working at cross-purposes escalating, using force, going up the force continuum without any seeming provocation. Uh, So officers need help in de-escalating. They need help in controlling their stress. Under stress, we all lose, you know, control of our, our most rational functions. Officers need to understand what the stresses they're they're under and how to try and counteract that. Instead, I can guarantee you what's going to come out of this is more useless uh, implicit bias training, cultural competence training, trainings that I have witnessed that are an insult to officer intelligence. Uh, and, And that it's going to continue to be racialized. And probably even though we're hearing that, oh, these officers themselves were white supremacists, uh, there will be an ongoing elevated push to hire more black officers, which will likely lead to the usual result that has already been shown in studies, which is sadly, given the 
often the necessity in order to diversify the force of lowering standards. Studies have shown the more black officers you have on a force, ironically, uh, the more use of force against blacks. Uh, do you do you believe that the increase in black officers had anything to do with the dramatic drop in crime rates that uh, occurred uh, actually starting in the mid eighties? No, I don't. I don't see why there's any connection to that. What what has been shown is that the increase uh, in diversity hiring and pressures for diversity hiring has been a large component of corruption scandals, whether in Miami in the late 1980s that was under longstanding federal pressure and consent decrees and uh, other, other means of pressure to diversify the force. Uh, the Washington, D.C. had corruption scandals. There was the Dirty 30 in New York City, the, the 30th Precinct, also where uh, the, the department had been rapidly promoting and hiring minority officers, uh, lifting the usual requirements for education and uh, clean criminal background checks. Uh, So race is never, ever a qualification in itself, just as sex is not a qualification, sexual orientation is not a qualification, and when race trumps merit, you get disasters. You get loss of life. We're going to be seeing that in medical training as well, with race now massively trumping merit. Uh, we are really playing with fire. What um, What about, and, and I'm sure given uh, your your work on the subject of policing and law enforcement in the past, what do you think was in the minds of some of these five officers. I was particularly struck by watching the video by the one officer who uh, punches uh, Tyree Nichols in the face with a full fist and punches him like five times. He has to know he's going to be on camera, that this is going to be recorded. What, what is someone in that situation thinking or assuming is going to happen? Does he simply feel he's untouchable because he's wearing a badge? I don't think they are thinking. I think, as I said, stress is taking over. Adrenaline is taking over. They are not uh, following through the consequences of their actions with, with you know, any sort of future orientation. They are simply allowing their emotions to take over. It's hard to imagine that anything could possibly decrease the horrors of what we see. Nevertheless, it has to be said, we don't know what preceded the events on the on the video, whether there was a dangerous high-speed chase down the wrong way of a street that was reported. Now, whether we should trust anything these officers say, I don't know. Uh, and whether there was any previous resistance. I frankly... I usually say that, you know, if you want to avoid getting roughed up by a cop, do not ever, ever resist arrest. Take your gripes afterwards. In this case, however, I frankly have a hard time blaming Mr. Nichols for taking off and running after he's already been the subject of such utterly irrational 
almost psychotic behavior from these officers. Um, so, but, but whether there's anything that explains this, I don't know. But I, I think they were simply these maybe officers that never should have been on the force if they cannot control their actions in this way. Now, there's, there is a tradition uh, you know, if, if, if somebody has been really egregious in resisting and has led the officers on a high-speed chase for 20 miles, say, down a freeway, there was a, an august tradition where there would be street justice dispensed by those cops when they finally get their hands on him. That is something that has really diminished Policing today, as awful as this looks and it's as hard as it may be to believe, the professional standards have increased. And that sort of self-inflicted uh, street justice is pretty rare where an officer just decides, okay, I'm going to wail on this, on this suspect. Um, but that, that may be going on here. Uh, that they feel like they're they're so they're they're just so speeding that uh, they, they just feel like they have to take it out on this on this poor guy. Well, they were part of a 40 officer contingent in the Memphis police force called Scorpion, which is the um, a street cops uh, operation. Uh, to restore peace in our neighborhoods. That's the acronym. And that's now been canceled. Do you think that that's a good thing? No, I think it's an overreaction. It could be that this was a very, very poorly trained force. But the the police chief down in, in Memphis earlier this year credited that force with putting a, a, a cap on the city's usual post-Floyd homicide increase. Uh, and so we are going to overreact, just as in New York City, the police commissioner in August 2020 disbanded the New York Police Department's anti-crime unit that was a way overcorrection, not, not at all justified, and probably these specialized forces are going to be uh, disbanded across the country, but that is not the, the proper response here. The proper response is look at it very carefully, make sure that officers are properly trained, but it is a legitimate function to have a unit that is tasked with being proactive, not being tied to the radio and 911 calls, but instead looking out for guns and trying to keep citizens safe. That's uh, Heather McDonald. She is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Her new book, which is available for order in February, is uh, called When Race Trumps Merit. She is also the author of the required reading uh, and solid bestseller, uh, The War on Cops, uh, doing what she can to support better law enforcement in this greatest nation on God's green earth.